You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. The Knight Foundation has spent $52 million on arts programs in Detroit since 2012, and it was one of the key contributors to the grand bargain, which helped settle Detroit's bankruptcy and preserve the existence of the Detroit Institute of Arts. Now the foundation is making a new $20 million commitment to arts in Detroit to support organizations and endeavors that have been a little beyond their reach for some time and to help find sustainable models so arts programs can thrive for years to come here in Detroit. Foundation CEO Alberto Albarguen is in town this week for the announcement, and he joins us now to talk about the evolving arts ecosystem here in Detroit. Alberto, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Also with us is Katie Locker, and she is the night program officer here in the city of Detroit. Katie, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks. So let's start by talking about why make this new investment. What have we learned over the last six years, uh, as you guys have spent a lot of money uh, supporting the arts here in Detroit? What's new about this $20 million commitment? Yeah, well, first of all, if you, if you, if you take the, the $52 million, add the $30 million we put into the DIA, it's actually an $82 million. $82 million. Right? And, and when we did that, when it was as part of the, the, the grand bargain, the bankruptcy, a lot of people said, well, Jesus, does that mean that that's it, that that's all the, all the money you're going to invest in the arts because there's lots of other opportunity to invest in the arts in, De- in Detroit? And we said, no, we, we, con- we intended to continue with the Night Arts Challenge, and now we're back not just with a continuation of the Arts Challenge, which is part of this new $20 million, um, but also <clears throat> two other uh, kinds, if you will, kinds of... of uh, of investments, one of them is in programming innovation for established institutions, um, and Katie can can talk to you about some of those. The Detroit Symphony, the the uh, the uh, Sphinx organization, Michigan Opera, and so forth. But importantly, this time we're funding more in the middle range of organizations. In a recent survey we did, um, Miami and Detroit were the two cities uh, that we work in that had the most middle level, middle level in terms of budget and reach, uh, middle level organizations. And those are organizations that are sometimes because they're new, sometimes because they're more uh, locally focused, um, really do interesting work, really do, uh, whether it's quality, music, art, whatever, um, but need um, support and often get overlooked because of a, of a grassroots effort or because of an established organization. So we're focusing on those um, in this round, both in, in Miami and Detroit. I should say the reason we do this is that we absolutely firmly believe that if you're building community, next to personal relationships, your mother lives there, you grew up there, your sisters, brothers uh, are in the, are in town. Next to those personal relationships, nothing binds people to place like the culture and arts of the place. And so as an organization, as a foundation uh, that is focused on the, the building of functioning communities in a democracy, uh, of course, we fund in journalism, as you know. Uh, we fund in, in community engagement, but we also are funding in the arts as a way of really creating that bond 
uh, that form strong communities. And I should uh, say up front here that uh, the Knight Foundation is one of the funders of a project I talk a lot about on this show, the Tuxedo Project, which is the Literary Arts and Community Center that I've started in the home where my family lived when I was born over on the west side. And exactly what you're saying is, uh, I think, part of what we've learned uh, through through that project is this idea of the arts bringing people together uh, in ways that they that they otherwise would not. Uh, yeah. We have seen an incredible coalescing of, of people in that neighborhood uh, around that project. Uh, Katie, talk about these other mid-level organizations that you guys now feel like this new money can reach. Sure. So this is, um, to me, really exciting. All of the grants are exciting. As Alberto said, um, it totals $20 million and it, that brings with it $8 million supporting anchor organizations, $6 million committing to three more rounds of the Night Arts Challenge. But then uh, we currently have committed a little over $3 million to these small to mid-sized organizations. Some of those organizations are going to uh, continue to deliver high-quality programming, um, and what they do is act as intermediaries. So think of organizations like Creative Many. Uh, Creative Many, which is a statewide organization but does a tremendous amount in Detroit, they're going to invite um, uh, basically research and development by artists. When do artists have the time to think through their project and and develop it? Often, as you know, in order to apply for the Night Arts Challenge, you've already got, have to have it pretty well mm-hmm. developed. Um, so, so we're there with us, uh, Design Core Detroit, Culture Source, all of them. The idea is can we give them the support so that they can build out their organization's long-term sustainability model and continue with high-quality programming? And then the ones that I find um, particularly exciting because they are organizations that this kind of money can make a big difference to uh, the Heidelberg Project, Young Nation, um, uh, Cinetopia Film Festival, Freep Film Festival, uh, the Concert of Colors, uh, which Detroit has loved for a long time, uh, is is rebuilding their model and figuring out how do they move on for the next 26 years. Uh, so there's an investment in the Concert of Colors. And so we really learned from the study we've just completed about what the last six years has has seen in Detroit and how much art is a part of the fabric of the city. And then we want to invest for the long term, but for the next five to six years in these organizations being able to deliver on high-quality art for the city. Mm-hmm. You might talk about the theater the theater funding, too. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that one is still in development, <laughs> but it's. I think we're going to have a lot more uh, to talk about in the new year. But uh, we're committing um, funds to the Community Foundation, which will then help us develop this. But one of the things we saw... The, the joy of the Night Arts Challenge is we get to see all these ideas and all these projects that come from across the city. Well, one of the things we were reminded of is how many sort of small theater organizations there are in the city of Detroit. And many of these are really running on quite small budgets. And they're working uh, largely in isolation. Um, and so uh, we've invited the Community Foundation to help us put together a cohort of these small to mid-sized theaters um, and convene them to share their experiences and also, more critically, and the thing they'll be most excited about, to give them ongoing support for the next five years. 
Um, small support, but enough support that they can keep moving their model forward and build a model for the future. But that, that'll be a million three hundred thousand. Yeah, uh, all, in total, altogether. just for theater. Just, just, for, for, theater. just for theater. And, and the, the thing, I, the thing I find particularly interesting about this is that it, it, one of the uh, uh, reason why the arts are so good at connecting people to place is that it allows people to express express. The authentically what the place is about, and you can do that if you're a painter. You can do that if you're a singer, um, and one of the one of the best ways to tell the new narrative of a city like Detroit is with the spoken word, and so theater, it seems to me, is is one of the what uh, one of the, the 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 very best ways that people can express what this city actually represents uh, for the people who live here. All of our funding, in fact, our, our, the, the hallmark of our night arts challenges are the authenticity of saying art in Detroit. Those are the rules. It, and, and if you say, well, well, what do you mean by that? And I say, well, tell me your idea. Um, and it has to be good. It has to be moving. It has to be provocative. It has to be challenging. It has to be beautiful. It has to move you some way. But it, it more than anything else, it is an opportunity for, for, for the authentic voice of the place uh, to be said unfiltered. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guests are Alberto, Alberto Ibarguen. Why am I having a hard time with your name? How long have we known each other? <laughs> long, long enough that you shouldn't be having I any shouldn't be having a hard time with that. Uh, he's the CEO of the Knight Foundation. Uh, also with us is Katie Locker, who is the Detroit Program Officer for Knight. Uh, we are talking about a new $20 million commitment to arts in Detroit. Uh, let's talk about sustainability. One of the things that I think most yeah. arts organizations struggle with, right? You get that first grant, that first interest uh, to to get started, and uh, there's a difference between sort of getting it off the ground and making sure that it can continue its work. Some of what you guys are focused on with the second round is that idea of sustainability. Yeah, and and I think that's the case in not just in in the arts, but I think in in all of our funding, we don't I don't really think of us as a charity. I think of us as social investors. I don't think there's uh, I don't think it's any fun to do a three-year grant and at the end of the three-year grant to end up having a conversation about why the organization hasn't figured out a way of of becoming self-sustaining or becoming or getting on the path uh, towards sustainability. The fact of the matter is that there is that our, our research has found um, that there is more spending uh, uh, on the arts, but the downturn, the great the recession, um, has ha- had and continues to have um, a serious impact on the on the bottom line of of these organizations. Um, so this is a moment where we think we can come in, um, allow people some creative space, um, but it really should be viewed not just as an opportunity to create with the, with the, with the funds, but as a moment when you can also take a step back and say, okay, how do I use these new productions whether it's theaters, music, uh, uh, painting, whatever it is, um, in order to reach new audiences 
and develop um, a sustainable some kind of a model for sustainability. And let's not kid ourselves. This is not just a Detroit issue. Uh, we work in 26 communities. I can tell you uh, there isn't uh, a community in any one of those 26 in, in the United States of America that doesn't have a struggling artistic sector, particularly at the middle ranges. But even at the biggest ranges, we don't happen to work in New York, but I know that I've read in the newspapers, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the biggest museum, the, the, the biggest tourist attraction in New York, had had uh, staff cuts because of of uh, of uh, budget tightening. Mm-hmm. So if that's if that's happening at that level, imagine what it's like uh, for local organizations. That doesn't mean that it can't that it can't work. It just means that you've got to be creative, you've got to be intentional, you've got to be courageous, and frankly, you need a little space to breathe. And that's what these grants, I think, will do. The the grants to the anchor organizations really reflect that. What we're giving funds to for for Michigan Opera Theater is is them thinking about how might they present opera in ways that grow the audience. And so some of this is going to be a little unconventional, and they're actually going to hire somebody to really work with them to think through how might they present opera differently and grow audience so that they can be sustainable for the long term uh, and protect that legacy that's been built at the opera. Similarly with the Museum of Contemporary Art, um, Alberto uh, and the team at night are really committed to how do we bring technology in to expand audience, both in the physical museum, um, but also online. Might people uh, become a new audience for the Museum of Contemporary Art if they experience it uh, online? So the commitment to the Museum of Contemporary Art is really tied to our investments in technology and cultural institutions, and they're going to consider new ways to grow audience that way. And Detroit Symphony. I think I think I think it it we're kid, you're kidding yourself if you think that somehow the internet of everything uh, isn't going isn't affecting whether it's public radio mm-hmm. and you and I know about how it <laughs> affected newspapers. Mm-hmm. Um, it affects the arts. It affects the way people think about it. It affects the way people uh, expect things to be delivered. If you if you grow up uh, in a in a world in an on demand world. To say that it ha- that you can only see the piece you can uh, during these hours, and I'm closed on Mondays <laughs> and on, and you must come at eight o'clock on Thursday night. Well, you know what? People have lots of other choices, um, and and instead, I think you've got to find you've got to really work hard uh, to get over whatever your your previous model was, and just simply find. Find the audience wherever the audience wants to be. And never forget that Yogi Berra said, if the fans don't want to come to the ballpark, nobody can stop them. So, <laughs> so, right. so don't, don't, don't sit around. If they don't want to come, don't sit around saying, geez, those people are stupid. No, they're not stupid. They're just doing something else. Go find them wherever they are and, and, and engage them. I think Rocco Landisman, when he was head of the uh, National Endowments for the Arts, uh, said they, that they were developing some research that showed that museums that, that put their collections on the web had an increase in attendance because people at the actual I see it online and go see it in person. See right? it online and then yeah. go see it in person. Exactly. And if you've ever seen 
I, for me, the example is always the 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 painter Mondrian. I've never seen a Mondrian photograph that didn't look flat. But then you go see. But it's pretty. It's a really nice design. And then you go see it in person, and the thing is three dimensional. It's a totally different experience. And and I think get, getting a kid in high school to look at a at a a, 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 a great painting and showing him and letting him play with it and letting him own the image and letting her um, expand it and change it and deconstruct it and then going to see the actual original at the DIA or someplace else, I think it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal learning experience. Mm-hmm. I, I want to ask both of you to answer this next question. I'll start with you, Katie. Talk about how the arts landscape in Detroit has changed since you guys started this uh, back in, in 2012. Uh, what are we looking at now that we might not have seen then? What would we, what, what we have been looking at then that maybe has, uh, has, has gone away? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that we have really seen, which was part of the intentionality when Knight came up with this uh, in 2012, which preceded uh, uh, my time at Knight, was that Detroit already had a great art scene and has this incredible legacy in so, in so many art forms. Um, but the world hadn't um, fully gotten uh, a sense of what's happening today. And now, uh, every week, it seems, we have national and international stories celebrating uh, the work that's happening here and the artists uh, that are here. And um, we have the the legacy artists, um, and we see that, and we'll announce a new round of Night Arts Challenge winners next week, and you see people that have been here uh, for the long-haul, lifelong residents. Um, but we're also attracting new artists uh, who want to be part of this community and see that it is a community of artists that contribute to the fabric of the city. And I think that understanding has grown both within Detroit and then externally, which is which just gives more resources to the artistic community, which is what we need here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think statistically, Stephen, the the uh, the four of the our, our recent research um, uh, that was done by a by, by a firm called TDC, um, they found of the 400, 432 arts organizations operating in Detroit, um, in 2015, 16% were formed of the ones that are that are operating now. 16% uh, were formed since 2015. The the increase um, in attendance uh, overall has been 28% uh, since um, since uh, from 2011 uh, to 2015. More organizations are significantly more organizations are creating new works of art and revenue has grown. This is, this is, um, some people have called Detroit the new Berlin. Hmm. Um, and what they mean by that is that Berlin, when there was the unification of Berlin, um, became this, this, uh, um, uh, gritty, affordable place that attracted people with, with vision and courage and, and tenacity, um, and a lot of talent. Hmm. And it was a new city that had that had to retell its story because it had been divided since the World War. It's a it's actually a pretty good analogy um, if you if you think of the Berlin Wall as analogous to the bankruptcy, 
and then you have a Detroit that that finds a new a new story to tell. This is the, this is the perfect vehicle, it seems to me. Okay, Alberto Ibarguen, CEO of the Knight Foundation. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit today. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Steve. Also, Katie Locker, Program Officer for the Knight Foundation here in Detroit. Thank you for being here. Thanks. That's going to do it for us today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. Coming up on Monday, we're going to have our final discussion about the midterm elections here in 2018. John Truscott and Ron Fournier of Truscott Rossman public relations firm are going to be here to wrap up the campaign and make some predictions about what we'll see on Tuesday. Will the blue slash pink wave really wash Republicans out of office from top to bottom, or will it come up short? Also, always remember that if you had to miss any of today's show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. If you go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, you can download and subscribe to Detroit Today and take us with you and listen whenever you are ready. Detroit Today is produced by Laura Weber Davis and Jake Neer. Our program director is Joan Isabella. The technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. And our associate producer is Gus Navarro. Detroit Today's theme song was composed by WDET's Sam Bobian. Also remember to go out Tuesday and vote. That's one of the things we talk about a lot here on Detroit Today, making your voice count. This is a seriously uh, important election, lots of things on the ballot in terms of candidates, in terms of proposals. Make sure you make the time on Tuesday to get to the ballot, to get to the polls and cast your ballot. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.